Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on this solo episode, I will be sharing the quick overview of a virtual event that we hosted. I guess when I'm recording this, this was like, when you see this, it'll be, it haven't been like a few weeks ago or a month ago-ish. We hosted an amazing, amazing virtual chat with five female GPs, myself being one of them. That is like a slight hint at what I'm building, but I will not dive deeper because I cannot. And the other four women on this panel with me were absolutely incredible. Was Amber Nelson at the council, Elizabeth Yin at Hustle Fund, Julia Lipton at Awesome People Ventures, and Sydney Thomas at Impressionism Capital. They are all absolute rock stars and they have their own venture capital funds and they invest into startups. And so the topic of today's solo episode is basically the topic of that virtual chat, which was being an angel or an LP 101. That was the title. I think it was Angel versus LP Investing 101. Some of you might be like, what is that? So I'm going to walk through what exactly that means. I'll give a quick overview now if this episode is for you or if it's not, and you should just turn it off and listen to the next one. Basically, what that means is an angel investor puts money into a startup and an LP puts money into a venture capital fund. And so we hosted this chat because there are a lot of really incredible people that maybe work at big tech companies. Maybe they've started their own companies. Maybe they're not even in the world of business, but they maybe have some money on the side. For example, if you're you know, a very successful doctor and you want to put a small percentage of your money into startups or funds and you're curious about it, that was the reason for this chat. And so what we did was we basically walked through the difference between investing into startups as an angel and investing into funds as an LP and answered some questions from the audience. And it was an amazing chat. We did not record it because we were very candid and honest when we were answering the questions. But what I'm going to do today is just quickly walk through what that, you know, that start of that presentation was, what the differences are. So if you weren't able to tune into that chat, hopefully this is helpful for you. And I want to give a huge shout out to Amber at the council who co-hosted this event with me. She's absolutely incredible. She runs a fund called The Council. She has an basically an all-female angel group that invests into a lot of these startups. So she's an amazing human and shout out Amber for putting this together with me. All right, so I'm going to walk through the beginning of the presentation that we gave on the chat. And then what I might do at the end is I might like go through a few of the questions that people asked that were like pretty easy for me to share the answers to. There were some questions where I was like, we don't want to put that in writing because we were very honest, but I will share some. So the big thing we started with was why are people investing in startups or VC funds right now? 
And we pointed to this chart and it's very easy to visualize. Basically, think of the x-axis is years, time, and the y-axis is return on your money. Very simply. And what you can see in this chart is whenever there is a recession, there are peaks in people's return on money. And you might say, oh my gosh, that doesn't make any sense. If it's a recession, how are you getting money? And the reason why this chart was interesting was because it was talking about the year that the fund started or the startup started. Obviously, during recessions, cash is hard to come by, businesses are hard to build, all the normal things we know about recessions. But if you can make it through those times, that's the best, best, best time to build something of value. And when the market turns around again and things go back up, as we call it a bull market, that's when you can really realize a lot of profits. And so people always joke, right? All the companies that we know of, the best companies, the best funds, those all come out of recessions. It's actually true. If you think about a lot of the companies that defined the last decade, like an Airbnb or an Uber or some of these big companies that, especially the tech companies that, you know, the sharing economy, right? That all came out of people wanting to save money during a recession. Now, obviously things have changed. Now Airbnbs can be more expensive than hotels. Ubers can be more expensive than taxis. You know, that's how things change. But at the time, it was the recession that really prompted a lot of the innovation. So then we walked through on the panel what the difference is between an angel investor and a limited partner in a fund, also known as an LP in a fund. So super high level, an angel investor will invest in private companies, also known as startups, on a deal-by-deal basis instead of, let's say, investing in lots of startups in like a blended basket, which is what a fund would be. So you're investing in just one startup at a time as an angel. And then most angels invest in areas they already know how to evaluate or have special access to. So as an example, let's say I've been building in the health tech space for a long time. It makes sense for me to invest in a health tech company because I probably understand the space better than someone else. It doesn't make sense necessarily for me to invest in a, I don't know, CPG, which is consumer products, like it doesn't make sense for me to invest in that space. Maybe if I haven't built in it yet, you could argue if you're a consumer, then you do kind of have some ability to understand if it's interesting or not, but it's hard to understand if the economics make sense, if there's a real market there, like all the more hard hitting numbers, you should typically have expertise in that area too, before you invest in it. And then you also want to make sure you have that access. So that's a huge thing with startups, right? You have to know who's building something. And a lot of the times, as soon as the public finds out something's being built, you know, they've already raised their money. They've already done the thing. They've already built the product. And so you kind of have to have eyes and ears on the ground, if you will. And so that typically means you're better off being an angel investor. And that's sort of qualifications to be an angel. And then a limited partner in a fund, that's someone who invests in a basket of companies. And those basket of companies are in that venture fund. And it's managed by a fund manager. And often those companies aren't chosen yet. So that's a really important point. You're basically trusting the fund manager to pick the right companies. The the fund manager will tell you, right, this is our plan. With X amount of dollars in the fund, we're going to invest in this one sector or these three sectors. But you don't necessarily have any control over what companies end up being picked. You just pick the fund manager who's going to pick the companies. That's a super high level difference. Angel investor puts money into one startup. A limited partner puts money into one fund, which then puts money into multiple startups. Another big point that we hammered home in this chat was sort of what are the benefits of being an angel investor or a limited partner? And I think one of the main ones is really the access to information. That is really what I have found to be the most enticing factor 
you know, it's like, it's a return on knowledge, not always a return on investment. Sometimes it is a return on investment, but a lot of the times you're getting access to founders, fund managers, or even just simply knowledge on a market that you otherwise would not have access to. So you're going to get email updates if you make an angel investment or if you make an LP investment into a fund. And in these email updates, they're going to say different things based on the investment. So if you make an angel investment, you're getting an email update on everything about that company. So you're going really deep on that company. You're looking at the revenue that they're making month over month, maybe some projections they have planned for the next, let's say, quarter or year, maybe some product updates that they've been launching and or planning to launch, team updates, right? How is their team growing? Did someone leave? Is someone getting hired? It's really going deep into that one company. And so that can be really interesting if you're excited about a certain space. Let's say we'll use the health tech example again. Let's say you're really excited about, I don't know, the longevity space as an example. And you're really curious about like human performance and longevity and you want to invest in a startup in that space. You might find it really interesting to think about the products, the product features they're launching, right? You might find it really interesting to think about, oh, what are the early hires for a startup like that? And maybe you know someone who you can flag to them. And that brings me to another really important section of the email update, which is help needed. So in all these email updates, often they'll ask you to help with candidates. They'll ask you to help with intros to customers or intros to investors if they're fundraising. So you really get a close look at the ins and outs of the company. And I'll be honest, like most of these founders are pretty honest about how things are going because they, they kind of have to be and you can't really help them if they're not honest. So it's a really great learning experience if maybe you yourself want to be a founder one day and you want to see what does it look like? How do they calculate their burn rate, right? How much money they're spending every month? How do they think about their early hires? All that good stuff. So I would also say that that could be an interesting path for investment if you are thinking about being a founder because you can see the ins and outs. Okay, next is the email updates if you are an LP in a fund. And those are just broader. It's the best way to describe it, right? Instead of going really deep in one startup as an angel investor and getting those updates, if you're an LP in a fund, that fund is making probably multiple investments a quarter. So they're looking at, and sometimes they invest in different sectors. So they might invest in a health tech company and an ed tech company and just like a regular you know, B2B software company as an example, in one quarter. So what they're looking at is they're looking at all three sectors, all three markets, and have a pretty good pulse on like the more of the macro, if that makes sense. So in that email update, you're going to get market trends and the manager's outlook on those market trends, which is always very interesting, especially if you pick a fund manager who you really trust and respect their opinion, which you should if you're going to be an LP in a fund. You'll get some high-level metrics, sort of like, you know, are you actively fundraising? How much have you deployed? Things like that. Any new companies that they've funded for that month or that quarter. So think like an investment memo that explains why did we invest in this company? What do we find interesting about it? Who are the founders? What do we find interesting about them? All that good stuff. Maybe even a bit of more information on who else co-invested in the deal. Things like that. And then there will be some updates on existing portfolio companies. So Obviously, you're giving updates on the new ones you've invested in, but then there's also going to be a lot of updates on how are people doing? How are your different startups doing? So, you know, some might shut down. Some might really be crushing it and raising future rounds. Some might really be struggling with product market fit, and they might really actually want users to try their product. It really spans, and it really is different by the fund manager. They'll kind of make these updates their own. 
I know one fund manager, she's hilarious. She puts memes into hers. It's very quirky and it's just like her, you know? It feels like you can you can hear her walking through it. It's It has her voice as clear as day, but the people that have invested in her fund want to know her opinion and want it to feel like her on a page. But you really have to make sure if you're going to be an LP in a fund that you trust that fund manager because they are really going to be making all the decisions and they're going to be one that are going to, that's going to be informing you on the market. Next, we talked a little bit about really understanding what your objective is for wanting to be an angel investor or being an LP in a fund. Because I'll be honest, there's obviously a lot of different places you can put your money, right? You can put it into an index fund. You could put it into stocks. You could put it into bonds. You could put it into real estate. You could put it into crypto. You could keep it as cash. You can do so many things with your money. You can also spend it on yourself, right? Like not save it and spend it on a trip or spend it on clothes or whatever. So I think it's really, really important. I did a personal finance episode somewhere else. You'll, you can find it in season two to really get very clear on like what the purpose is of this. Because if the purpose is strictly to make money and to make stable money, you're probably better off putting your money into an index fund. And again, none of this is investment advice. Let me be very clear. I'm just sharing my opinions. Now, of course, when you put money into a startup or you put money into a fund, there are definitely potentials for crazy high returns. Totally right? If you invest early into a startup that becomes a big unicorn company, of course, you're going to have a crazy return. If you put your money into a small micro fund that ends up betting early also on a great company, you will very much do well. But that's not always the case, right? It's not always predictable. Most startups fail and not all funds produce crazy high returns. So I think what's really important is to just like deeply understand what you're trying to get out of this. And if it is to have like stable financial returns, this isn't the vehicle to do it. You can certainly make outlier returns. And we can talk a little bit about angel investing versus being an LP, which one's a little bit more predictable. It's obvious, right? Being an LP in a fund is more predictable and a little safer because you're investing in a basket, not just one startup or, you know, a few startups. But yeah, something to really be clear on. But there are things that you really get out of it from being an angel or being an LP. Like I I mentioned, you can gain a lot of knowledge and and connections and build a network. So the knowledge piece is really learning about that market, learning about specifically that problem the startup is tackling, whichever you end up choosing, building a network, right? You can meet these founders. You typically will have to meet the founders if you're going to especially be an angel investor. Learn more about the team. Meet other. If you become an LP in a fund, you might go to the AGM, which is the annual meeting. You can meet other LPs. So you can meet other really interesting, interesting people in this space. So that might be enough to be involved. It also helps you diversify, right? So like, let's say you already have your money in crypto and real estate and index funds or whatever, and you want to just put your money somewhere that's maybe a little bit more unpredictable, but potential for crazy outlier returns. That might be a space where angel investing or being an LP makes sense for you. And then this is obviously one of my favorite objectives for why you should do this, but like you really get to have impact. And I can't quote it now. If you look it up, it's very easy to find. But like if we think about where does innovation happen, if we think about where your dollar can go very far, it's going to be in the early stage tech side of things. It just is. Because the companies that do well really do well and like venture as an asset class across all funds and all startups outperforms. And so I would say like, if you want to be able to say, you know, I was early in Coinbase or I was, you know, a fund that I was in was early in Coinbase, the next Coinbase, right? That is really incredible and powerful. And 
is something to really think about, to feel like you're contributing to the future and that you saw things before the whole world did. I personally find that to be the most exciting. That's why I've made this my career, but something to think about. Another thing that was mentioned in the presentation was how much time do you have? And I think that this is actually so important and not talked about enough. Basically, if you're an LP in a fund, you don't really need to spend that much time. That's the takeaway. You can put your money, park it with a fund manager. The fund manager will send you updates, maybe ask for help once in a while. Maybe there's an annual meeting, but you don't really like need to do the work of picking the companies because you've picked the fund manager. Now, if you're going to be an angel investor into startups, it takes a lot of time because you're the one that's doing the picking. So you need to review pitch decks. You need to have meetings with the founders, of course. You need to get to know the founders. If you're doing it the right way, you should do some diligence, right? Call references. Really use the product. If they have a product, meet as much of the team as you can. That takes time. And then often to be able to be an angel investor, you need to have some sort of personal brand for the best founders to want to make room for you. So building that personal brand, right? Again, I did another episode in season two about building a personal brand, but all of that takes a lot of time to be able to be an angel investor because oftentimes the best founders can get money from a lot of different people. They don't necessarily need your money, right? Why would they take your money? And then also it takes a while to know if an opportunity is a good opportunity. You can't say yes to everyone. And so that's something to just think about. If you have the time to put in to build up your personal brand and then to be an angel and diligence all these companies, or if you'd rather just, you know, put in some work to meet several fund managers, find, you know, one or maybe two that you really respect and then giving them your money to invest. Another point that was mentioned also was how do you want to diversify? And this is also really important. So option one was investing in 10 startups and being an angel and putting them all in deep tech putting, let's say, 5K checks into 10 deep tech startups, which you can totally do. Or what you can do is, which would mean, obviously, you're not diversifying. So if you're putting all 10 checks into startups that you have expertise in, you're basically just going extra, extra hard. We'll use our health tech example. Let's say you're a health tech founder or health tech operator. You're putting 10 checks that are, let's say, 5K each into 10 health tech startups because you have the expertise to do so and you have the access to do so. That's one option. The second option is maybe you want to use this as an opportunity to diversify. And so you say, actually, I can't pick the best startups in, let's say, climate or, you know, consumer software or whatever. So you want to just pick fund managers that are doing that work. You also might feel like you have enough exposure if you yourself work for a health tech company or have started one, right? You want to maybe put your money into a different market. And so the second option would be maybe you invest your money into two VC funds not in the health tech space, which is our example for option one. Maybe you put 25K into a consumer software fund and then 25K into a fund that invests in, you know, a few different sectors, none of which you have exposure to or real expertise in, but you're curious about. And so I think like, it's just important to really get clear on which of those options feels right to you because they are very different being an angel and and being an LP. We had this one section we actually didn't talk about live that had some bullets, I think, and I'll share just a couple points now that I think are important. Check sizes. People always ask me this. It's really hard to say. Being an angel investor, I would say maybe on average, the average check size ends up being, let's say, 25K. Again, I have no data to back this up. I'm I'm giving you my gut check based on what I think. With that being said, I've seen extremely, extremely valuable 
founders or operators or VCs be let in for 1K. I'll just let that sink in for a second. Some people that have a very valuable personal brand, just because the founder wants them attached, will accept a check of $1,000 into their startup. And yes, the startup can literally be valued at like $30 million and they would take a 1K check from someone of value. So I say that because if you're excited about being an angel, but you're like, I don't have $100,000, right, to put into all these startups, I wouldn't worry about that. I would be transparent and say, hey, the most I can do is 5K. The most I can do is 2K, whatever that looks like. And so that's something to just note. Now, this isn't going to be publicly advertised. People might say differently, but I know it to be true. I've had founders let me in for 1K as an angel. So it's just something to think about and to know that is possible. I would say for being an LP in a fund, it's pretty rare that someone accepts a check of less than $10,000. And even still, that's really rare because it would have to be a really small fund to allow for that. So you have to typically have bigger checks to be an LP in a fund, but you don't need to invest in as many. So whereas with, as an angel, you don't want to just invest in one startup or three startups or five. You really want to have like at least 10, in my opinion. I think probably you want like 15 to 20 to really make sure you get one winner or at least try to have one winner. So if we say maybe 2K checks into 20 startups, that's $40,000 that you're putting into a bunch of investments. What you could do is you could then translate that to maybe two 20K checks into funds. And I think there are funds out there. I know there are funds out there that would take a 20K check from someone of value. So again, it's just to each their own. You have to figure out what, what works for you, but the angel check size is going to be smaller than the LP check size. And then they're typically called differently. So when I say called, I'll explain that. So an angel check, you typically have to invest all the money up front. So like if you say, I'm going to put into 2K into this one startup, you have to give them 2K that day or that week. If you're putting 20K into a fund, typically, and again, I'm giving you the, the general, everyone does it differently, but generally it gets called, which means it gets, you basically give them that money over a period of time. So like typically people will call that money over two years, three years, four years. And so if, you know, let's say you offer to put in 20K, you would give maybe 10K in year one and 10K in year two. And so it's sort of like smaller chunks and it's not all at once. Anyway, these are things to think about. Okay, someone asked, do cold emails actually work by some magic? You get a deck from a stranger and actually invest. I actually answered this question. You guys know how I feel about cold outreach. If you don't, please listen to one of my episodes in season two about cold outreach. It does actually work. What I will say is I've never made an investment on someone that I did not have at least one mutual friend with. So I guess I call that like lukewarm. Like it wasn't a warm introduction from that mutual friend, but like I knew they were like a real person and I talked to them and of course like back channeled with multiple mutual friends. But yes, it totally happens. And on the chat, we had Elizabeth at Hustle Fund say, I believe that she does 15% cold and 85% warm in terms of the investments that they make. And I think Amber at the council said something similar. I think she said 80% is warm and 20% is cold. If they like look back on all their investments so far, that's the percentages that they have done. So yeah, 100%. But this goes to building a personal brand, right? The more of a personal brand you build, the more people will know who you are. You'll build more you know, of a network in the ecosystem and then basically nobody will be cold. I think everyone on that panel is now at a point where, 
And again, I'll say I'm at this point, I wasn't always here, but now I'm at a point where like, I'm at a minimum or at a maximum one degree away from someone in tech for the most part. Typically, I have at least one mutual friend with anyone that works in tech or venture capital. And that's not that difficult to do because the industry is so small. So it just starts with like building a personal brand and getting into some cool companies and doing it that way. But yeah, I think that once you start to build that personal brand, no one is really that cold, which is kind of the trick, right? Making sure no one is ever fully, fully cold. Someone asked about like average expected returns. What can we find past return on investment? I kind of mentioned this. Sydney Sydney said something great on the call. She was talking about like the importance of like gaining knowledge. And there's a lot more that you can get out of investing and also especially like women because you're basically giving them the power to reinvest it back into the economy. Women and people of color tend to invest in more diverse founders. I think the stats are underrepresented fund managers invest are three times more likely to invest in diverse founders. But yeah, I think, you know, what I'll say is if you're an angel investor investing in a startup, I think it's something like 95% of startups completely fail. So the expected return should be $0. Like without a doubt, you should not expect to see any money back if you're going to be an angel investor, if you invest in one company. Now, if you invest in multiple companies, hopefully one of them will do well and return enough so that it pays for all the other investments. But the expected return should be zero. In terms of being a fund manager, hopefully your fund manager can return two or three times the fund over the course of the life of the fund, which is 10 years. That's if all goes well. There are some crazy outliers like, you know, Chris Socker, Alexis Ohanian's first funds did, I honestly think, like over 100x returns. I mean, something unbelievable. But that was just because they were early into like Twitter and Uber and Coinbase and Instacart and all those things, I believe. But I would say like, you shouldn't have high expectations. That's the thing with startups and ventures. Sometimes it works out, but that should not be the expectation. There was this question, what is a red flag to look out for when you're thinking about investing with a VC as an LP? I think one of the things that was mentioned was just doing as much back channeling as you can. And this comes with building a network. You should really try to speak to as many people as you can that know that person to really make sure this happened. This is if you're an LP in a fund or an angel investor. You should really do as much homework as you can on all the people that know the founder or the GP. Now, some people are going to like them and some people are not, right? Of course, not everyone in the world loves each other. But it's important to do your homework and like really understand what their reputation is. Understand, especially if it's a fund manager, understand how their founders think of them. Do they treat their founders well? Do they reply to their founders? Do they help their founders? I think that's pretty much it. Anyway, well, I hope that was helpful. Again, if you're not in tech, this might have felt a little bit heady, which apologies, I tried as best I could to really simplify. But I think the biggest thing too is to just like follow angels and follow LPs and follow partners at funds and follow founders on Twitter and LinkedIn and and just learn the language and just educate yourself. You know, maybe get a book at the library. Venture Deals is a great classic one, right? Like just understanding Power Law is another great one just understanding this world to then potentially make investments down the line. So I hope that was helpful. You got this. Also, don't rush into this. That's the other big piece of advice. Like you shouldn't invest in the first company you see. You shouldn't invest in the first fund you see. Just ease into it. Collect information, figure out what you care about, what you don't care about, and it'll be great. And you're also going to make mistakes. It's inevitable, but that's all part of the learning. You got this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.